What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Tyler. We're broadcasting here on the Fringe FM initially, and thank you for tuning in. I have another guest with me this time around, uh, a returning guest, who I basically consider uh, an honorary cast member of the show, uh, Mr. Eric Millar, the garbage wizard himself. Uh, For those unfamiliar, if you haven't listened, uh, go check out a couple other episodes that I've had Eric on. One where we talked about comic books, particularly OG comic books and mysticism, um, esoterica in general. And then the other episode, we talked a lot about um, what was that work that uh, that was that we discussed in that episode, Eric? Uh, Was that uh, uh, an assemblage of disparate parts? That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I have other notes here and I left (laughs) that one title out. So (laughs) good save there. Um, Yeah, that was a very, um, very informative, insightful conversations. Eric, um, he is self-described and I affectionately call him the garbage wizard because um, I really like uh, how, you know, an assemblage of disparate parts is actually a really good um, description of what you do esoterically what your what your magic and mysticism is involved in and how you involve um tradition and and uh and different you know the symbols you know this is how comic books get into the mix and uh we will bring up some comic books again as always in this episode but eric you have a new release out and it's entitled wombat um yeah I want to kick this over to you but uh firstly i want to give an introduction here some other stuff before I talk about Wombat, um, you know, uh, Eric of Outlet Press, um, also uh, doing work with uh, another guest of the show who we'll have on soon, Keats Ross on uh, We the Hallowed. Go check that out. They got a lot of uh, Keats has done some uh, release some audio material. He's on tour right now as we're recording this or uh, potentially just wrapping it up. But uh, yeah. very, very excited to uh, to get him on and hear how that all went. But anyway, so uh Eric's done some really cool stuff, um, particularly the Disruption Generator, which if uh, you bring that title up in the right circles, you will get some very impressive feedback. I know it turned some heads <laughs> um, and it's still talked about. It's been out for some time now, as well as the uh, the Tethered Elementals, which is uh, some really cool uh, like oracular dice. And so he's uh, he's got a very inventive mindset. But uh, with Wombat here. You know, I've been feeling uh, a little frustrated with life lately, man. Um, I uh, my relationships, you know, just in general, friendships and romance and everything else, it's all good. But uh, uh, the mundane has really been raw dogging me lately, and it's uh, it's been a, <laughs> it's been pissing me off, uh, quite frankly. And uh, but you know, a lot of times, if you if you channel that the right way, that's kind of the f- that's stoking the right fire, and uh. And, you know, Wombat kind of stoked that fire for me a little bit. It seemed very, I was trying to think of the right words. It seemed like nihilistically transcendental, not like engaging in nihilism uh, to be transcendental, but accepting a certain nihilism of the world. And in that alchemical sense, sort of transmuting it and because the world seems, you know, I I have that alchemical mindset, and I'm a I'm a, you know, I'm a happy person uh, generally. Like I enjoy things in life consistently. I see the good in things, 
but that said that, that that's come from like a, a hard fought mindset that I've that I've cultivated over time because I see the world as a sick fucked demented place <laughs> um and uh it, I really I feel that in your writing I know I've mentioned that before like there's a, there's a sense of anger but it's not at all in like a with vitriol or 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 even biting it's like this existential sort of like i'm fucking tired of just accepting the norms and i really want uh, the norms of everything even the stuff i enjoy comic books philosophy magic i'm tired of accepting all of these fucking norms and uh i feel kind of more comfortable in the discarded instead of the the traditionally cherished and and wombat i guess where i'm going with this is wombat seems to me you know for listeners it's it's a collection of um of uh prose and it's it's like a list almost and and it's in a graphic novelish format it's got some very very gripping artwork all throughout there and it's it's an operator's manual of sorts um i wanted to read some of these uh these tenets if you will uh before i i toss this over to eric uh because I I really I thought it was very striking the imagery, um, especially given the artwork. But but just the uh, the the mindset alone. So um, I'm not really going to explain it. It doesn't explain much to begin <laughs> with, and I think I'll just let it un- unfurl on the uh, the listener. So uh, number one, the operator shall relinquish both name and face for proper function. Number two, the operator is merely a gland of the machine. The operator must protect the eyes, ears, and heart. The operator is produced and not born. The operator does not require knowledge to maintain proper function and must follow all written instruction. The operator is forever bound to the machine and must sustain. The operator dreams only of the machine and its mysteries. The operator shall not yearn for touch of another, shall not covet the bounty of others, shall not fear death shall not abide waste the operator consents the operator shall not attempt reclamation and the operator shall not form attachments there's this nihilistic <laughs> matrix sort of black mirror feel here where there's a there's a um a not so quiet discontent here and uh and and but there's there's that transcendental feel so i I, i'd like to first off why the name wombat and 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 what's going on here eric what are you trying to convey because (laughs) because um i i I think i get what you're drop uh what you're setting down but i really just want want you to open up and uh and i'd like to to pick your brain on this because it's yeah it's uh it's for how small for how short it is and this is uh this is in a collected work that um so you're not just getting like 60 pages of wombat for any listeners out there who want to uh get their hands on this you're getting a lot of eric's collected work in this wombat uh edition but that being said man for like the 50 pages or so it is it's it's got a lot going for it so so lay it on us brother that is just one section that's from operators code Right. That's the, I think that's the first chapter, probably. Yes, and then and then there's a uh, flight patterns or um, flight. Yeah. Uh, flight. Uh, I, man, I I had it in my notes. It's somewhere in here, but it, it's <laughs> it, it's flight patterns, and it's um it's yeah. essentially um you are 
mapping the flight patterns of flies. Yeah, and, 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 and describing and, them. And it's in in a not so subtle way, very much um, um, characterizing like cliches of individuals and the whole the whole idea of the the juxtaposition of the human the humanization of the fly. Yet it's just being studied as a mundane fly. I think I think the how for how cryptic that is, it really <laughs> it really sheds light on uh, on on the whole sentiment. Yeah, but yeah, with the. Uh... Wombat, for starters, the title came from a book of text message abbreviations I found at my mom's house when I visited there over the summer. And it's an acronym. It stands for Waste of Money, Brains, and Time. Oh, wow. I would have not guessed that. I love it. That's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, and... There, there was a different acronym I was going to use before that. It was a Teotwaki. <laughs> and it was the end of the world as we know of it. <laughs> I like that too. Wombat has a has a, a unique an, a, a unique ring yeah. to it though. It's got it's got a better zing to it. <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, with uh a lot of it, a lot of the there's a lot of anger in that book. Like I'll I'll admit, there is a lot of anger in that book. But um Operator's Code is actually a, a I did a remake of one of my earlier books. Okay. And I always told people that Operator's Code was the most spiritual work I've ever made. It is it is as close to a full explanation of my spiritual beliefs as anybody could ever get. Yeah, and, and you you've done work as a as a machinist in the past, um, among yeah. other things. And I know you've mentioned that before, and you talked about how um, I, you had to. Uh, and I can relate to this. I've done a lot of different taxing jobs, uh, like how you, it, it it rubbed off on you in its own way, and how you almost had to debug your brain in some ways, or learn to work with that uh, that machinist overlay i can very much see it in your art as well it's very industrial in a sense it's surrealist as well oh yeah like it it is a subject i revisit frequently because Um, yeah i worked in i worked in factories for 15 years and it just kind of something kind of broke at one point and it kind of became just a transcendental experience on its own well that in and of itself is fascinating because um I I'd, I'd like to get into some of that inspiration like what was it like what was uh what was the breakdown and 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 breakthrough like doing work in a factory like that Oh well I mean it started out as kind of what you would expect work in a factory to be like it was just this mundane boring existence where I just sit and I'd run a machine for hours and hours and hours. And eventually there, there just became this like almost, it felt like almost like a communication. Like there was, there was a, there was a connection I made with the machine at one point where it didn't feel like I was running machines anymore. What I was actually doing was kind of working with animals because every machine had its own way of doing things. Every machine had its own way of working. Like it just, it required good communication and a good like bond to actually make it work the way it was supposed to work. So eventually the machine kind of evolved in my head into something that's, that was more, it, it became uh, animistic in a way. 
Yeah. And and in a lot of ways, it just became like this meditational experience where I would just my 10 to 12 hour shifts would just be a meditation with just me and the machine I was working at. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I can uh I can you know not the machinist aspect um but particularly I can uh I can relate to that and all the trade work I've done and even in military school like some of the uh some of the the times I I really learned the power of uh of meditation and even trance states was having to stand at attention for hours on end uh, for as punishment in military school so yeah there's something oh, yeah. there's something about um rock bottom for lack of better term maybe just like the soul being taken out of the moment um where there's just really seems like there's virtually nothing to be gleaned from it and uh and then you find um i don't know you just keep chipping away and you find that there's more than you expected um and that this you know where a lot of uh beautiful transcendental moments happen yeah i can really see this in wombat as well the the uh the the idea that the human being is a machine to the collective um it, it, it in part in that sort of matrix sort of way but uh i i was thinking about this as i was reading it part of how i see the world as fucked up and demented has a lot to do with human beings obviously but yeah. i don't i don't think that human beings i don't go so far as to say that they we are a virus um as you know, some people are just really pessimistic they're uh misanthropic even in that way i think human beings are inherently good uh, but i think that there's there's a weird dividing line i think uh the more human beings you get together the the less redeeming qualities they have i think it's a lot easier to to look at an individual who's done something wrong and you don't excuse that. And, you know, maybe they got to follow through with their punishments in a legal sense or whatever. But, but I think, uh, I think we can see the pain in an individual more um, because there's, there's a specific story, but when mob mentality gets in the mix, um, it becomes harder to relate to people. It becomes harder to even find a story. And for that matter, mob mentality uh, truly doesn't have many redeeming qualities anyway. So, but then we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and and uh, and you know, these days we see all sorts of people hate whole swaths of other people. Um, you know, it's nothing new. But uh, there's something. Oh, yeah. There's I I I, I want to. I don't know where this is all going to go, but I want to pick your brain on this specifically. The idea that the 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 machine is is something that is robbing us is disdainful uh is it demiurgic is it more material uh is it something you see the machine in like the socioeconomic sense and it's something that we're trying to you know spiritually break out of um because i you know not to dog the collective specifically but i see shades of all those things in there but one of those things that it like i said it made me think of was Man, um, we get bound in chains to the collective sometimes in that mob mentality and uh and like the consensus reality that sometimes that is uh that's part of what enslaves us the most. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like in my my view of the machine over time has has shifted 
repeatedly. And I've come to kind of view it in almost a Lovecraftian kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like, like the machine is essentially like an elder God that we don't understand that if we were to like stare face to face with, it would drive us mad. And like, we see aspects of this, like this vast, vast mechanism that keeps us under its thumb all the time. And I don't know, at this point I've kind of, I kind of just see the machine almost like the, the worst aspect of the machine in our culture is the rich. Yeah. And the rich will do anything to stay rich and to stay rich. They basically make us poor. And the easiest way to keep us poor is to make us hate each other. So it just turns into this, like this big meat grinder we're constantly in. But I don't even know if like like rich people don't know why they want to be rich. Rich people just know they want to be rich. Yeah, it's just some reptile like, brain inside them. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, the machine is like this this thing that's even outside of them. Like the system is too complex at this point. Like we don't know where it starts, where the head is. So like in a lot of ways, like the machine that I talk about in operators code, it's it's almost more like it's just we're tiny ants dealing with something absolutely gigantic. Do you do you see it as as um as cal uh not callous um in that i guess that lovecraftian sense i i, I believe you mentioned the uh the the anthill motif so not an evil creator yeah. or anything but uh, no some, apathetic something, yeah apathetic got it <laughs> I, yeah i feel you there man i uh i uh <clears throat> that's that's how it feels to me man um for for any listeners uh <laughs> I definitely recommend checking out the uh, the answer to Job episode. Um, since I've uh, it definitely reminded mm -hmm. me of Wombat. I've definitely been feeling that lately. Um, yeah, yeah. There's um, I don't think I don't think um, it is even disrespectful to any sort of creator god symbol or however literal you want to take it. I don't even think it's disrespectful to call it imperfect or to call it apathetic. I think it's just calling it like. Um, like we see it and I think, uh, oh, yeah. anything out there, um, whatever, whatever creator force source point, if it has any sort of sentience at all, um, I should hope that it has enough self-respect to take constructive criticism. <laughs> I would, all. I would sincerely hope so. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and, and I mean, truly, if it does not, then I, I don't want to spend uh, eternity with it. That sounds fucking awful. Oh um, yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's some uh, there's some quotes here, um, you know, and Wombat yeah, for how dense it is. Like I said, it's only like 50, 60 pages, so I don't want to give too much away. But there was some beautiful bits in here. Oh, it, in total, it's two hundred pages. Right, right. The collected yeah. works. Um, yeah. Um, so don't think, listeners, that uh, you're you're just getting a small bit here. Um, yeah, yeah. But um. So as far as the list goes of like the 16 tenets of the uh, the operator's code to be specific because that's good to be specific mm -hmm. about um number 11 um thou shall not covet bounty of others there's the the excerpt i wanted to read here because i thought it was fascinating um 
The machine sustains those who are worthy, giving much to some and little to others according to its processes. Those who fulfill their assigned tasks and support proper function are rewarded, while those who disrupt, corrupt, and fail are not. The operator must abide by the judgment of the machine, for it embodies proper function. There's a there's a lot to this. It makes me think of um of you know some of the to get the ball rolling on some food for thought, like some of the downfalls of of reincarnation throughout history, you know, feeding mm-hmm. into things like the Hindu caste system and, you know, telling people that, you know, you're poor because you have bad karma. So, so get fucked, you know, uh, get, used Oh yeah. To yeah. You fight too hard. You're going to come back as a dung beetle. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 that is something people try to wrap their heads around, um, you know, whether whether it's karma. What do you think about all that, man? Like the stratification of people in a spiritual sense. Uh, wh- how does that fit with the machine? Like what what is going on here? I guess we're all just in the meat grinder, huh? In the long run. Yeah, I think in the long run, we're all really in the meat grinder. I think a lot of this stuff that I put in operators code is just the stuff that I see as kind of the evil of the machine. Right. Like for like there shouldn't be a caste system. There shouldn't be a hierarchy of one person being more deserving than another based off of some like asinine divisions that we've created. Like we we reward the rich for them wanting to be rich. We punish the poor for them not you know, quote unquote trying hard enough. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. It seems like the machine just has a, it just, you know, spins the wheel and makes a choice for you when you're born, you know? Yeah. There's there's no deserving. Nobody deserves anything that they have. They, they just get it. Yeah, man, this is, this is such a, I can't, I, I don't know where, I don't know how it all ends out, but, this is a this is a knot that I'm fascinated with trying to tie untie like a <laughs> like a like a tangled slinky you know I don't know where to start but I'm always trying to get up in there like people you know the idea there's manifestation and you can you can visualize things and and that goes into you know very traditional magic and mysticism as well so like new age fluff aside there's there's value there but then people take it to extremes like you know well you, you I guess you have to take if you want to test something like that, you have to take it to its furthest extremes um, on yeah. both ends. And uh, people take the positive, but then um, it really makes you wonder um, if some of these new age people think that, you know, people are getting cancer because they just didn't live a happy enough life. Like you, yeah. you didn't you didn't you, you manifested your cancer somehow because you just weren't living life properly like these. It's a it's 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 a foolish fucked up um way to 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 look at life there's a lot more to oh, yeah. just wanting it and visualizing it and i mean quite frankly you're kind of a jackass if you uh if if uh if you're i mean do what you want to do but if you're trying to push that onto other people like i see so often like people are people are struggling they're struggling with these things right here the the, the machine itself and it's like well just visualize harder like you get bent go fuck yourself I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, that that is the toxicity of the prosperity gospel right there. Yes. Yes. That is the toxicity of the prosperity gospel and things like the secret. 
Yes. You you cannot just imagine not having cancer. I'm yeah. sorry. You'll <laughs> never you'll never get it. You can visualize all you want like and they have done studies that the power of positive thinking does wonders for somebody. It doesn't cure cancer. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not to say it's not helpful, but you you need to understand yeah. the limitations of what you're saying here. So um, like telling somebody that they're just not hoping hard enough. It's honestly, it's kind of, it's, it, it falls in line to me, like the same as those people that say that others need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps if they want to be successful. It's like, you're just living, you're, you're playing the prosperity gospel at a different level. Yeah. Yeah. You try pulling yourselves <laughs> up from your bootstraps in the, in the fucking ghetto and, and see how yeah. easy it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 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 on on that note, the last uh, specific quote I wanted to read from the the uh, the operator's code here is number thirteen. Uh, th- this this really hit me. Um, thou uh, the operator shall not abide waste. The machine is vast and multifaceted, containing mysteries and unknown dimensions. Due to this high level of complexity, it requires a great deal of energy to maintain proper function. At times, the operator must dwell in darkness or abide cold floors and damp walls. The operator must find light and warmth in their devotion to the machine when necessary. And this is this kind of like nihilistic transcendentalism because we're talking about things like you said, like apathetic so much that it almost comes across evil or misanthropic of of this Lovecraftian machine. But I guess in the in the vein of like the the grand scheme alchemical process there's there's beauty that comes out of that um it uh i bring it up all the time because i don't think you can hear it enough that right there reminds me of victor frankel's quote about our last freedom being our ability to choose our stance in any given situation yeah um with is it is that how you felt in the uh in the factory at one point was it was it was it more of a of a mundane thing like the 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 just the yeah i guess the mundane aspect of the continuous work or or did it get to a point where it was soul crushing and you felt like something had to give inside you oh there was definitely many many soul crushing moments um i think the biggest the biggest inspiration for that part was at one of my old jobs, at one of my old factories, they did routine layoffs. It's like every yeah. year there would be a cycle of layoffs where most years it was anywhere between five to ten percent. They would cut five Damn. to five to ten percent of the workforce. And then 9-11 happened. And the orders dried up and they had to lay off 60 percent of the workforce. Damn. Yeah, one of my one of the workers that I had become really good friends with him and he worked in a station right next to mine. He was a recovered meth addict. He got his life all put back together. He started working this job. He was working full time. It's the first full time job he had ever had. And he was supporting his wife. He was supporting his newborn daughter. And he was doing really well. He got cut. Mm. So like to him he felt like his reward for trying was getting fucked yeah <laughs> i feel that and and at the end of the day that the machine doesn't care about that 
You're just you're just part of it. That's just part of the cycle. They 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 picked sixty percent of the workforce and just cut them without thinking. There was like these are the people that need to go. And almost everybody I liked stopped working there because of it. And just like I eventually left there, but like that annual cycle just kind of it 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 causes a disconnection where you look at the corporation and you go, "This is for the good of the company." Yeah the company needs this energy if we don't continue feeding the company this energy and just like letting the lights go out once in a while the company's not going to survive so i won't survive and you just kind of become numb to it and i definitely had like a survivor's guilt about it for a long time like there was definitely there's definitely some some weird workplace ptsd that came out of it yeah, I feel you, man, because it's, you know, to someone well off, it just sounds maybe like oh, they just they lost a job. That's going to be a, a whole job hunt. That sucks to hear. But that's someone's livelihood right there. That's that's oh, someone's, yeah. that's that's everything to someone, especially in a fucked economy. Um, oh, yeah. Well, in a fucked economy, like I lived in rural Minnesota, like oof. it was one of the it was one of the best paying jobs a non-college graduate could get in the town. Oh, God damn. You don't hesitate and play every side. Pushing you away. Do you feel no shame? And it's not okay. Taking as you play. Playing race. It's coming for you. Yeah. do everybody it's your good old friend tippy patson here from the the league of extraordinary gents and uh today i have a special message for you uh, i'm trying to petition uh to get into the ears of uh nfl quarterback aaron Rodgers. you see uh i i got thinking recently and y'all remember how justin bieber had that really cool shirtless pastor that was always like hanging out with him and like vanquishing his spiritual foes and and you know to, so to Aaron Rodgers I won't be that for you 
You know, I could be your hot, young, shirtless pastor, but like, not in a gay way, but like in a, in like a, like a spiritual Rambo sort of way. Yeah, and, uh, and because I understand that, you know, sometime back, you, you, you done took some ayahuasca in Peru and it kind of messed your game up, uh, because you met Mother Ayahuasca, but you also met the hat man, Aaron Rodgers, and, and he's been doing scaring you on the football field. You know, I got some quotes here, uh, like uh, Aaron Rodgers, you, you were done saying like, he will sometimes appear in the distance, usually veiled by darkness, holding the corpse of a dead rabbit and sometimes a blade. I just kept throwing the ball to the hat man and he was always wide open, floating high above the rest of the players and it was so scary, I just had to do it. And you know, teammates done been quoting you saying that uh, you got lights flickering on and off in the in in, in the locker rooms, and you, you're done scared to be alone out there. So please, Aaron, I beg you, let me tippy pats and help you out there, buddy. I could show you the Ford's way. Uh, I could get your wrestling gators out to here in the Everglades, you know, and we'll get you throwing a tight spiral to that uh, that hat man. And uh, and for in, in dang on no time, buddy. So come on, Aaron Rodgers, let Tippy Patson be your spiritual mentor. And you know, that's it for now, folks. Help me get help me get in the ear of good old Aaron. All right, take it easy. Hello to everybody. Uh, you by Dobius Jefferson Tillam Slinger. Uh, that's my code name around here. I also go by Steve Buscemi and a whole lot of other things. Uh, it recently, you know, I, I recently caught a little bit of flack because I was really high and uh, I called it to uh, Joseph Rupert's Lighting the Void uh, radio station asking for laundromat and drug money. Um, and since then, many people have said that... Uh, um, I maybe should not, if I'm doing that, maybe I should not be spending so much money on drugs. Even though I explained to them that when you ship yourselves overseas and back in a crate, you need drugs to do to pass the time. <clears throat> well, uh, I am, I'm sober now and a little bit skinnier. And it's all thanks to Tippy Patson's Rainbow Body Weight Loss Program. Uh, it's a fantastic product that doesn't even require portion control or calorie counting. All you do is smoke this Colombian cocaine paste named Basuco, uh, which is basically a cocaine mix with uh, boda oil and brick dust. But if you smoke enough of this stuff, you achieve a rainbow body state of existence and you sweat a lot of it off. And uh, it works like a charm and I'm living proof. Jefferson T, baby. So sign up today um, because, uh, uh, you know, it, the sober living is the way to go. And I understand, you know, I'm sorry to Joseph Rupert. I understand, you know, I'm sorry to Joseph Rupert for calling in. Um, and, you know, you got your new and improved, fresh, clean, so fresh and so clean, Jefferson T. All right. Uh, you cats, take it easy out there. Greetings, Brotendo. It is I, Muscle Tornado, and, you know, I've got some news that makes my heart a bit heavy. Uh, you know, I'm 
Hulkster give me strength. Um, you know, firstly, you may have heard that our friend Bayou Jones went missing overseas, and then our our cosmic ghost pirate has been uh, accidentally recently stuck into this heavy wind-up television set. Uh, and our friend Silverback Commando recently ran out of LSD after a years-long bender and uh, has fallen into an existential crisis in his sobriety. Well, Silverback seems to have hitchhiked out of here. He's gone. And this morning, I accidentally changed the channel on this shitty wind-up television set. And now I can't find my cosmic ghost pirate anywhere. And on top of that, uh, as some of you may know, I've lost my hand and my eye lately. So I have a pretty sweet hook and eye patch, but I'm tired of everything being taken away from me, Brozov. Hulkster, give me strength. Vin D for life, baby. Come on. We, uh, what do I need to do? Um, you know, just... Maybe, uh, maybe I really am transforming into a pirate. Um, but, you know, whatever. Something's gotta give, right? Um, in the meantime, I'm just, uh, just gonna keep, you know, I, I've, I've got plenty of pixie sticks, so. But... <laughs> oh, God. Well, we'll just, uh, you know, cross the bridges as we get there, right? Uh, <laughs> ooh, muscle tornado is over and out. activism aside because that's not that's not what this show's about you can go check out other <laughs> shows for that um like you know the revolution of the self um like what yeah. what do we do about this because these are questions that i'm asking too man like i've i you know th this is not my first rodeo by any stretch but i'm just at a you know the the, the industries that i've been a part of that i've been the most passionate about are getting are are just getting really uh railroaded in a bad economy and and the jobs that um that should be you know better off in a you know like trade stuff if i can't do what i love i'll yeah. get into a trade and you know that's fine i don't hate the trades but 
even those are slim pickings right now. It's tough to get into unions, yeah. to find apprenticeships, to if you find work, it's uh, you know, it's way out there. So like, man, I'm 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 trying to find the next move and I'm feeling the pressure of the machine and it and it it makes me angry. And I think that uh that like I said in the beginning, if you use that in the right way, that's kind of fuel for for alchemy, I guess, as it were. But yeah, it's also painful and you have to uh before you light that fire um as i can attest to very recently you have to feel sort of the the full pressure of being crushed under the the heel of the machine or like really smashed in the gears or or run through the meat grinder and then it seems like after you're out on the other side with the fresh wounds you you know you're just gasping for air you're like okay now now that I understand what's going on, I'm a little mad. I'm I'm gonna turn this around. Like fuck this. I'm not gonna take this lying down. That's the only well, thing I've gotten out of yeah. it, man. I don't know. Like <laughs> I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Like what oh, what does a oh, human being man. do? See, like for me, like I've learned to just kind of embrace the anger. Yeah. And, like at some at some points, the anger is the only thing that's gonna keep you warm. You know. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you but, can't like, forget that love, but there's, you know, if channeled yeah. right, anger is I I I think it's um yeah. you know, all that all that over positive hippie bullshit uh needs to take a little more anger into account, I think. Yeah. Like I've always been kind of I've always kept my head down in the trenches. I feel so, you. So so like I I get a I get what looks like a stable job and I just dig in. And for for me, that's been like I've I've been working part time at a car dealership and I don't even like cars. I've just I just got a job at a car dealership because the pay was better <laughs> and I dug in and I've been there for eight years. No shit. And no shit. And it's literally just keeping my head down and my mouth shut. And whenever a manager says something, I just smile and nod my head. <laughs> yeah. And um, it reminds me of the uh, the gray man persona that we talked about in our last yeah. conversation, which is useful that, in certain cases. That that gray man has saved my life so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and like the job I had before, it was a factory job that I held for five years. And before that, it was a factory job I held for 15. So it's like I just. I stay angry, but I also like just. I swallow it and bite it back as much as possible so I can keep the money coming in. Yeah. Well, and I will say that's not the right way to do it either. <laughs> Cause there's way too much like ups and downs internally for that. That's a, that that's choppy seas forever. If that's how you're going to live your life. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. And sometimes it's like you, it seems like, you know, it's a best case scenario to, um have a um a steady reading on the stress gauge but sometimes you just got to like take as much as you can and then let it off uh when you get the chance and uh um but you know on a just kind of just popped into my head I fucking love my silly nonsensical comedy whether it's adult swim or uh or something like the office and uh I I I watched an episode of the office recently and Daryl said uh, I I really don't like my job, but uh, I I like my life. 
and that's what counts. And and, and you know, I think there's uh, yeah. something to be said for that. Uh, what is the end result? But all the same, um, that you know, if you're getting good end results, then um, you know, there's something to be said for a labor of love. But yeah, a lot of the times, as we've been talking about in this conversation, just to reiterate, like the machine doesn't even give you enough of what you need, let alone what you want. And that's that's the real question is what do you do when when you're getting ground down and you don't even have what you need? And I mean, you answered it well. Uh, there's no like full answers, but um, yeah. this. Um, yeah, I, I feel you, man. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I really feel <laughs> where you're coming from. Um, we we talked about you mentioned. So I'm going to I'm just going to bring these up, both these titles simultaneously, and then we'll unpack it right. um, because um, um, in the exact same sentiment as Wombat, I read. Actually, I, I didn't read. I meant to say I didn't read um, all of I found um, as much as I could. But uh, I read, uh, I watched a video where I, it picked through it a lot. And that was my first introduction. And then I went and and looked into it more. I want to get some physical copies of this. Uh, it's a two-part run from 95 called Marvel Ruins. Um, Eric was well familiar with it. He has some first prints of it. It is, it is an alternate reality Marvel miniseries where uh, Murphy's Law rules the the timeline and everything that can go wrong will go wrong there's heavy emphasis on chaos theory and equal and opposite reaction if the <clears throat> if the marvel universe we know so well is the the positive reaction then what is the um equal and opposite reaction in the negative way and it is a horrific um uh twisted nihilistic comic and i found it absolutely fascinating um particularly and i guess the tie-in other than just the nihilism and like the trying to transcend that the tie-in i found interesting is you know man uh i guess in a metaphorical way how i feel a lot about this machine and my relationship to it um is sometimes i feel like we're just kind of trapped in an alternate timeline you know um it, we, we're trapped in the Murphy's Law timeline sometimes. It seems like, you know, in a world where um, reality TV stars become uh, politicians and, you know, freaking OnlyFans chicks sell jarred farts and make a living like we yeah. and, 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 and that's all in the same world where 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 kids are born and sold into human trafficking and then and then just die before they see any freedom. Um like what the fuck is going on here, man? It seems it seems like a sick wonderland, like you know, like upside down world. Um, and uh, um, that's what's going on for Phil Sheldon, the reporter in Marvel Ruins. He's this guy that has this intuitive hunch, almost like he's drawing from the Phil Sheldon that we know in the traditional Marvel universe, where he's just like something is wrong, man. Everything that is a worst case scenario could have been so much better. It's just all this all the potential that we have is squandered every time and he goes on this quest to try and figure it out and he's in in you know we'll bring up some of the superheroes a little bit but there's also i brought this up to you and you reread it um and yeah. and, and you also mentioned the book life inc by douglas rushkoff 
Um, yes. How, how corporatism conquered the world and how we can take it back. And that came out in 2011. I have not read that, but you you talked about how in like a, a journalistic sense, that book felt like it was to you a sort of documentation of how our timeline has been skewed by these greedy machine corporate interests. And, you know, I know I tossed a lot out at you and we'll unpack that all in, <laughs> in, in due time. But um, yeah, man, Marvel ruins and the idea of being stuck in these nihilistic timelines. That's a real mind fuck there. What do you think about all that? Oh, yeah, it is definitely a mind fuck. Like you mentioning that was like one of the weirdest like synchronicities because I've been reading Lifing for a while. And you brought that up and it was like a lightning flash of recognition. It was like that that book, that series is about the worst possible timeline where it's just every turn is the worst turn. And reading Douglas Rushkoff's book, it feels like going it, it maps all the way back to the Renaissance. Damn. How how we've done things wrong. <laughs> That's fascinating. And, I got to check that out. And how just the creation of the corporation and the main the maintenance of corporations basically put us where we are today and it even created the reality star as politician and all of that like there are there are big sections it was before trump ran for president and it talks about trump and it talks about the apprentice and how wow. yeah at that point he was just a lame game show host you know <laughs> Yeah, still is too, but not only anymore, oh. unfortunately. Oh yeah, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but um, but like, yeah, his no, techniques are directly drawn from that the the explanation of the worst possible timeline. Like his ascendance is is mapped in that book, basically. But yeah. like like in like in ruins, it, it feels like Douglas Rushkoff was the Phil Sheldon of of America. In a lot of ways, in yeah. in that book, um, this also reminds me. I have read this one. It's it's uh, been a while, but it's like a freaking, uh, like a journalistic bible in and of itself. On the same sentiment of corporate greedy corporate entities and um and like admin brainwash and uh, the uh the media as we know it. Uh, the powers that be by David Halberstam. Have you ever heard of that one? I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's impressive. Um, there's a reason that a lot of people have not heard of it because there's some real truth in there uh, because it's not it, – he, do, he doesn't say Illuminati once in the book, but like he's talking about um, – <laughs> uh like the some of the real power like some of the real groundwork that's been laid like uh, in a real journalist with with journalistic integrity and uh you don't find yeah. enough of that um but yeah man some of the things that happen um in marvel ruins you know you can't you 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 just simply can't spoil this um it's 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 yeah. an experience in and of itself so i mean if you really don't want to hear anything about this just skip ahead a little bit but i i promise you like after seeing the pictures and understanding the story i personally just want to read it more um yeah uh, uh, front to back but uh like spider-man you know after they're bi being bitten by the radioactive spider his skin uh, in like an eczema psoriasis way, like cracks open and bleeds like the spider web design. And he's just mm -hmm. like dying bloody on the streets. That's just 
That's just one of them, man. Uh, Nick Fury blows his brains out after admitting that Captain America taught him cannibalism in the war. Um, yeah. Fucking, Magneto. Uh, Magneto. He he has a special device to degauss himself. And some some like impolite person knocks into him and breaks his device and kills like 100 people at an airport. <laughs> yeah. All, all metal just flies at him. It's like like people's uh, like implants are flying out and shit like it's crazy um yeah galactus they find galactus's corpse floating in space because he starved yeah like god yeah and not even the gods make it yeah the the headline for the newspaper with the picture of dead galactus was god found dead floating in space that yeah (laughs) that is just haunting like holy shit um yeah yeah and then the the silver surfer fucking um because he uh, it's inferred that he's so like horrified at his lack of humanity, like because he spent most of his life as a human in order to feel sensation because he was so disassociated. He ripped open his own chest to try and get air back into his lungs. So like, this is yeah. the fucking shit that's going on in Marvel ruins. And then lastly, I'll say um, the Avengers were a domestic terrorist cell and Wolverine is uh rotting on the is dissolving on the bone because of his adamantium. So this shit is yeah. dark, dark as fuck. But you know what? Yeah. There was there was um uh in the same the same kind of itch that I got from from Wombat, I I got scratched uh, uh just just experiencing just like learning what ruins was cuz yeah. man there's this is kind of what like just kind of part of the the sentiment behind this show in general is like there's there's a beauty in the darkness not not in embracing the nihilism and just you know becoming you know just another shit stain in society but like i don't know in that buddhist sense fully understanding it so that you can uproot it and take the power back i think i think that's really yeah you know, and even though um, Marvel ruins and um, and Life Inc. and these things are so dark, um, it really does light a fire for me. And you know, uh, regardless of what's going to happen in the world around us, I truly think that a revolution starts with the self um, and and extends outward. Um, I mean, you can't yeah. help help anyone else until you're able to help. You're really able to help yourself anyway. Um, so I don't well, know. And- no, oh, go ahead, well, please. The thing about ruins is, um, have you ever read Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross? Yes, that's yeah, good, good thing to bring up. Yeah, and ruins is the counterpoint to a book of just like absolute utter awe. Like that, that book is the the fantasy of the utopian superhero society. Like, right without. Without that utopia, like ruins doesn't make sense. It's almost like ruins is the is the if if Marvels was the log on the ground, if you lifted it up, you would find ruins underneath with the bugs and the, mm. the mold and all of that. It's like they 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 need they require each other to really really work because they're they're. I don't know. I've I've lately been thinking a lot about you, a lot about utopia and 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 aspiration towards utopia, and how it it feels hopeless most of the time. <laughs> yeah, 
And like that's that's kind of what ruins in life Inc. and stuff like that is, is it's 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 almost like a call to arms to aspire for something else. Because yeah, it it's it's it feels good to to recognize your anger. Like yeah. anger anger is so important. Like if you can't feel angry, there is something broken. Yeah. Amen, <laughs> and, dude. But that anger, like like you said before, anger should be molded into something better. Like you can use it as a hammer or you can use it as a cudgel, you know? Yeah. And it's better to use it as a hammer, I I would say. I mean, cudgels have their uses too, but <laughs> <laughs> well said. Um yeah, I think you know, there's oftentimes, especially when you get into spiritual mindsets in general, there's there's a a quick tendency to try and work through the anger and i you know not that that's a bad thing but i think um it's not specific enough um i think a lot of people um i don't think it's uh it's important to i i i think it's counterproductive it's counterintuitive to let go of that anger sometimes i think you have to be very skillful you have to understand that you are literally dealing with psychological fire um but yeah that's that is uh, those are the tools of the trade man we're not alchemists because um we like playing it safe we're trying to find real progress um because we're yeah. we're, we're fucking sick of the things that are ailing us ailing the people around us you know well i don't know what all i'm capable of but i want to find out because I want to do everything I can to live the best life I can for myself and for everyone around me, you know? And, yeah. and, and I guess, I guess at the end of the day, that's, that's the thing that keeps me going. Um, cause the machine, oh, yeah. is, the machine is cold and brutal, man. Yeah. So what do you, th- what do you think? Are we, uh, I mean, all metaphors, and fascinating thought experiments aside, like, are we living in the, in a, in a dark timeline? I think so. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't see it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, a lot of stuff doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like our world in general does not make sense. It doesn't. No. And, you know, I just, I just don't get it. Cause we live in a world where, where the best answer to bombing is more bombing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the world we live in is the answer to a bomb is more bombs. Yeah. And the answer, the answer to um, like the only real social effect we had to something like Jerry, uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was fucking QAnon. Yeah. Tell me, tell me like uh, how, how that makes sense in, in, in anything other than a dark timeline. Yeah. QAnon does not make sense in a light timeline. No. We are not we're not living in the world of light like Jeffrey Epstein doesn't live in a world of light. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. One hundred percent. Like like American politics in general does not exist in a world of light. <laughs> like it just doesn't. Now, for the sake of ontology, just for the hell of it, um, what do you think this means? So, so do you think, so the machine, is that essentially your, um, your specialized, um, symbol of like the demiurge, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. 
I'd say yeah. so. It's definitely the uh, it's the dark god. It's the angry one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I don't even remember if I've ever brought this up on the show before, but um, I have had the thought in the past, and it's always stuck with me where. I wonder if uh, if reincarnation is just simply living out all possible timelines of who you are now. Every single fractional difference. You die in this, you just roll over into the next one, and then maybe it's uh just as uh it's it's just as different as one decision, you know. But the butterfly effect creates every every possible decision. Where we're princes, we're paupers, we're we're we're. We're killers and victims and fucking everything in between. Um, yeah. Um, because I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, it seems a little too Dungeons and Dragons to me. <laughs> um, and and I love I I love comparative religion and I love Dungeons and Dragons. So not disrespecting either one, but it seems a little too dun- Dungeons and Dragons to me to be like reincarnated as like a bug or or like a log or just, just some bull. Yeah. There's, that's that's too cartoonish but um but um we know that time like just statistically mathematically there are um an infinite number of of uh of timelines uh per- and, and there's a lot of different ways you could slice that pie like are we talking about yeah. um like statistical decision making or are we talking about like dimensions there's if you if you want to throw it all in there god knows how much is out there so like i don't know man it's uh yeah i've i've always personally been a fan of the the, uh everett interpretation like the many worlds theory where at any given time any decision you've made branches off into another reality where you didn't make that decision or you made that decision in a different way right right yeah like good good cherry on top maybe reincarnation doesn't even act actually exist and we are just constantly branching timelines and like reincarnation is just the other reality you exist in yeah and you made a bad choice you're going you're just going down that line and like it's i don't even think people are consciously deciding these things it's just like we're we're constantly branching into infinite different different realities and I mean, when I was at my darkest points, when I like, because I used to suffer pretty bad from depression, I still have it. It's just like I've learned to manage it. Mm-hmm. And when I was in my worst points, I always said that the reason I was suffering was that so another me somewhere wouldn't have to. Because statistically speaking, if I'm suffering, that means one of them isn't. Damn, that's, so, that's powerful. And that that got me through a lot of really bad days. It's just like, I got to go through this. So, you know, reality 3053 doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's fucking that's that's the definition of a mind fuck there. Because that was actually um, I'd like to hear you elaborate any more on that in any way you'd like to, because that pretty much was going to be my next question is what do you you're not a you're not a nihilistic person uh and neither no. am i like we even when we have our angers and our struggles we we have good things in our life and and we're also able to recognize those good things which is which is a, a really important part but 
was that said like <laughs> with all we've talked about like how, what do you have to say to to people that feel how we're feeling and or have felt at least and like how do you reconcile actually being in uh, a fucked up alternate timeline we all got the short end of the stick in that sense if that's the case and and like i said even if that's not like a a, a literal thing um the, the the food for thought is uh something that you just can't afford to throw out but i think even the literal yeah. the even the literal aspect is <laughs> something you can't afford to throw out either yeah i don't know for me it's it sounds cliche but i think anybody that's like in this really should just try their best to look for the light like it's it's hard to find but the light is always there like even like through the thickest like if you think of a canopy of trees even the thickest canopy of trees has a hole somewhere where light comes through amen and I think for people that are struggling through it, yeah, it always seems like you're it's never gonna end. But eventually you're gonna find that beam of light. And like for me, like my beam of light is my wife and kid. Like more than anything. And they're 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 the sunlight I find at the end of the day. It can be they can be we could all be having the shittiest day possible. And at the end of the day, I am still like at home with my wife and my kid and it is amazing because like 20 year old me 20 year old me never thought i was going to get to 42 years old and married and having a kid <laughs> like 20 year old me thought i was going to be dead by 30 yeah i feel <laughs> so, you i can relate yeah i think yeah. I, I think a lot of listeners you know um um can can relate to the idea of Maybe not wanting to die, uh, but just sort of being apathetic to it, it and uh, yeah. and maybe just being resigned to it. Um, yeah. I was ta- I was talking with um, uh, Chris Fiato, episode sixty seven. Um, we, we were talking about addiction and things like that, and I uh, I talked about how this. Uh, what we were talking about reminded me of this. And now as it's all kind of unfurling in my brain, this, uh, this really reminds me of the machine a lot. And, uh, I'll say quickly, um, the whole idea of Chris McCandless, uh, finding out, you know, the fucking, uh, into the wild and all that, um, everyone mm-hmm. at least knows the, the name into the wild. Um, when Chris McCandless figured out that he had poisoned himself inadvertently out there and had, weeks to just starve out in that bus with uh, you know Thoreau and Tolstoy and all his transcendental philosophy like that he could have he he could have just blew his brains out he could have uh you know just turned into like the joker in Arkham Asylum uh there could have yeah. been there could have been a whole number of ways that he could have handled it that would have made the story really dark um but he he like he 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 just bossed up and um like i'm surprised they even found his body there man like i'm surprised that dude yeah. didn't rainbow body i mean i'm joking but like i think it's really beautiful how he was able to actually find peace and contentment at the end of it and like he i'm sure he um was not happy at all with uh, the family members that he knew he had let down not coming back and i'm sure that yeah. he was fucking pissed that he had made such foolish, foolish decisions, but to be able to just accept it, you know, all the good and all the bad and just, and, 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 and to go out 
on top, you know, spiritually and psychologically, like, man, is that, that's maybe in the end, that's all like, if nothing else, that's all we can really hope for is to just go out like champs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have mixed feelings on, uh, on, on into the wild, but I feel, you No, that's a, <laughs> it's rightfully so it's fucking, uh, he was an idiot, but yeah. He, uh, the, if he, if he hadn't fucking uh, died in the Alaskan wilderness, it would have been a, a lot more of a beautiful story. Just saying just the anger and saying, fuck it all. And trying to, uh, to carve out a different path. I, I could relate to Chris McCandless, especially growing up in Alaska, but, um, um, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a cautionary tale. Like don't fucking go out and do that. He was super reckless, but I think that there's, uh, there's something inspiring in the sentiment. Well, yeah. And in a, in a lot of ways, I mean, if you really look at it, like, I mean, he literally starved, starved because of his poisoning, but like spiritually, if he had just like accepted life as it was, he would have starved in a completely different way. Like yeah. either way, that guy was going to starve to death. Like nobody does what he did unless they're just hungry. You know, I agree. Go elaborate, though. That's an interesting thought. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, like he he traveled across the country. He basically gave up what was going to be a cushy life. Yeah. And like in a lot of ways, like the the people with the most opportunity feel the most suffocated by it because there's expectation. There's. There's a lot of pressure on those people to be that kind of person like it. Yeah, somebody doesn't doesn't do that unless there is a there's like a fire inside that they just can't they can't do it. They can't live that life. Like yeah. nobody goes that nobody goes into the middle of the woods in Alaska because they're happy. Yeah, and because they think their life is going to be great. Yeah, and this reminded me of another thought about McCandless, and I think it uh, it ties into the machine very well. Um, I was is when I was a teenager, and I never fully romanticized. I always understood that there was like some serious tragedy here, but I I did I I, I did appreciate Chris McCandless, and I guess you know with anger and trying to channel that being a recurring theme in this chat. I think I resonated with his discontent and his just anger with how um the 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 mundane the 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 fucking machine is, I guess. And um I used to think when I was a lot younger that if Chris McCandless had survived, we would have had some uh like great we would have had some great uh literature because he talked about how um he was planning on writing a book eventually, like trying trying his own hand at some philosophy and 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 yeah, I, I thought, oh man, we would have would have had some really good shit. We really lost out on it, and maybe we would have, but none of us would have ever fucking seen it. He would have been buried in the machine like all of us. He would have been fucking grinding to pay his bills just like fucking everybody else. Uh, Chris McCandless, yeah. you talk about how he would have starved out in another way. You're absolutely right, and that's what made me think of this thought. Uh, this sentiment is, um, yeah, he he would not have wanted to live life in this fucking machine, man, that, that dude, um, uh, probably 
probably would have uh, gone out the fucking Kevorkian way if he hadn't gone out. Oh yeah, Baskin Woods. Um, well, and and even if if he had survived, if he had survived, we wouldn't even have into the wild, right? If he had survived, he would have probably just been another dude, been another dude, because either he was going to be either he was going to stay in the Alaska wilds or he was going to be another dude. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that's basically well, I mean, he could have been one of the the uh, the caravan people that he joined up with for a while, but then he just would have been a caravan person. And nobody would have heard anything about him and his family. Even his family wouldn't have been like, we got to hold his legacy up. Is he? They would have been like, no, he's our embarrassing caravan brother. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely going to live in the wild um, is not, is like, not the, I, I don't think it's all it's cracked up to be. Um, Thoreau had people fucking helping him with his groceries out there basically um yeah. and and freaking Kaczynski lost his mind out there um <laughs> i uh yeah like and and it, for those that have not read into the wild the book um i i can't help but bring this up since we're kind of we've kind of gone into like trying to escape the machine a little bit um uh John Krakauer the author brings up some comparison characters to McCandless um there's like this just like wanderlust syndrome that people get it in their heads and they get like really tweaked out and it becomes like a like a character type where they there's people like Everett Ruse and uh Gene Rosalini and these these adventurers that uh, like lost their minds on their adventures in one way or another and were never found in a lot of cases Gene Rosalini was a guy in the 70s he was affluent um he came from a good family that that was well off um he basically, long story short, um, just kind of was like tweaked out. It was kind of like a caravan family member and um, uh, had it was really into philosophy. And he got it in his head that kind of Kaczynski style that we had gotten so far off from where we needed to be that he wanted to go and live like a Stone Age man, basically in the woods outside of like Cordova, Alaska. Um, and he did it for 10 years using nothing but like stone tools. Um, and was just known as the dude that lived out there. Like people Jeez. knew him. Yeah. They, he was a, <laughs> he was a nice guy. Um, they never had any problems. He would sometimes come into town, um, like on the outskirts to like pill, like forage and shit. Um, and you know what that guy did at the end of it? He'd lived out there for like 10, 15 years. And then, uh, not only did he real, did he come to like whatever philosophical scientific conclusion that human beings had lost their essence that we could not like reclaim what we once had and that we were too far gone. He stabbed himself in the heart with a giant knife and killed himself. So, Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe fucking like that being said, like, um, yeah, I think, I think just kind of like to bring it all uh, around home plate. Um, even though the machine is crushing, like we have to, cling to our like relationships, you know, the people around us and um, the, the, the small things in life, man, because if you think that the machine is bad um, uh, going and, and just isolating yourself in the woods is usually not going to be any better either. Honestly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not. And like, for me, I tried, I kind of tried that myself in a way before I moved out here. I spent, 
two or three years basically just working and going home and not being around anybody. And all I did was read books on science and philosophy and occultism and exercised. Like I lost 90 pounds in six months. Damn. Well done. And oh, it hurt. It hurt. My (laughs) body was in pain all the time. (laughs) Like I dropped down to a thousand calories a day and like, I'm a pretty like big guy. Like I weighed 160 pounds. I'm like six feet tall. Damn. And my usual weight is like around 200. So that is some real alchemy of the body right there. Yeah. And like I I came out of it happy, but it was because I started being around people again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't because I was isolating anymore. It was that I like, I was like, I just want to have more fun with people. Like I need to like find some fun. I can totally relate to that. I have uh, I've definitely had that similar time of um of shut in and and reading and and just kind of like this the self work. And I think um I think there's a real danger in getting lost in that because that is super useful yeah. and necessary and crucial, but if you don't if you aren't able to bring that back to like the people that you care about, then it's all for nothing practically. Yeah. Yeah, practically. And and in Wombat, like you were talking about, like Wombat is like six parts. Right. And there's there's operators code. There's um, thinking about it here. There's the uh, flight interpretations, flight interpretations. There's the anthill or we ants, as I right, call it. Right. And there are the. uh there are the collages and there are the um some acemic writing. But like the real like centerpiece to me in that book is Ramblin' and Toof. Because it's almost like a counterpoint to everything else. Because it is about like the mundane in a lot of ways and getting getting lost in the machine, but also trying to find the good in it at the same time. Because the guy's on like little adventures and at the end he dies, but he just like comes back to do it again. <laughs> Beautiful. Um Him and his little animal friend. <laughs> there yeah, there's like I thought I had them all, but I'm I'm missing some here. But there's like at least like four or five whole concepts in here, like short form yeah. um dissertations. I, I don't know. That's the fun thing about Eric's work is like good luck trying to pigeonhole it. There's a there's yeah. a lot going on, and uh, it's 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 as literarily stimulating as it is visually, and like he really has the full package. Um, um, I yeah. told I told Eric before, like I just as as soon as I went through the operator's code and the flight interpretations, and uh, and we ants, um. I was just like, damn, man, do you know, there's, there's something about what you got going on. Um, the combination of, uh, of the, the literature and the art is it, you're able to just transport people. Um, I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself really, but you, you, every time you're really able to transport me to a spot. And maybe some of that has to do with the fact that we have similar mindsets, but like, yeah, you, you really know how to, to, uh articulate exactly it is what you're trying to say man and i and i i always appreciate it yeah well it's 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 all a spectrum like 
we live in a spectrum. Like the machine is a spectrum. It's all like if I tried with with what I do to like show a spectrum. I mean, yeah, I, I'm angry a lot. So a lot of my stuff ends up angry. It ends up dark. But like like I was saying earlier, when it comes to like walking that walking in the dark woods, eventually you're going to find a little bit of light and you got to hold on to the light. Yeah, and I try. I try to do that in my work. I find a lot of dark when I'm doing the work, but then every once in a while there are these like glimpses and they're just bright. I mean, fuck, that's how the divine comedy starts, man. Dante's wandering through the woods, hopeless, lost, alone, uh, getting worried. And then he finds Beatrice, who eventually guides him into the the mind of God when it's all said and done. So, hell yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. That's a probably a good way to tie things up. Just I think, find the light. <laughs> I think so, man. Yeah, I'll I'll read this again because i loved it so much um the machine is vast and multifaceted containing mysteries and unknown dimensions at times the operator must dwell in darkness or abide by cold floors and damp walls the operator must find light and warmth in their devotion to the machine when necessary i mean the machine aside like there's something very powerful in being able to transmute the gold out of the lead in any given situation yeah and i mean it's labor it's not instant there's no instant gratification to something like this but um the act of it yeah um it's all work yeah it's all work (laughs) yeah it's like manly p hall said man um labor is uh is the gift from mother nature that keeps on giving and through it we learn all things yeah um, well, Eric, um, do you have anything else to leave the listeners with? Um, we, I, I feel like this was personally a conversation I needed, um, and I really thank you for having it with me. I don't oh, know, yeah. I don't know if we got any answers uh, in the grand yeah. scheme, nor was I expecting to. But like, damn it, I do feel better for having. Um, I feel like I got my tongue on the the sore of like that that that's there like from my missing tooth you know like i'm i'm fucking i'm getting in on uh i'm 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 honing in on the uh what ails me a little bit and man i don't know what to make out of all this like dark timelines and things it's uh but like like i said it scratches an itch man it's very it's been very cathartic and i appreciate it so what would you like to wrap up here with man no, I mean, I I don't know. I think you got it really good there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right on. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I try. I would say like nihilism's easy. Nihilism is like falling into the pit of nihilism is easy. And it's everything else that's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And amen. It's so easy to fuck up. It's so easy. It is. It is so easy to fuck up. And it's so easy to sit in it. Mm -hmm. And like people shouldn't sit in that. They they don't need to sit in their own shit usually. Yeah. It's just a lot of people choose to sit in their own shit. And you gotta get out of the shit. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. You just gotta fucking get up and try again. You get you yeah. 
get knocked down, you get up and try again, man. You just fucking keep going. And you know, I I said this. I think this will be before we we toss out like social media links and everything. I was talking with a friend, and um, I said, I don't know what it means in the long run, but I said, there's got if there's any sort of afterlife at all, it's got to count for a whole hell of a lot to uh to suffer existential to to experience existential suffering with dignity and grace like if you can fucking handle that skillfully like a pro and you don't just sit there and you keep fucking getting up um that's that's got to count for so much in the afterlife man like i can't see a whole lot more you know like treat others as you would have done unto yourself uh, as you would have done unto yourself and fucking get back up you know what i mean yeah and I mean, that is, I mean, that really, it, it should be the ultimate goal, honestly. Like all this work, that's what it leads up to. It's not, it's not about stopping yourself from falling down. It's about helping you get back up again. Hey, man, brother. Well, folks, check out fucking Wombat. Um, I, uh, I really felt the operator's code and the the flight interpretation so we talked about that primarily uh but he's got like 200 pages of the collected works in there and it's all really impressive uh very visually stimulating as well um eric where can people find you buddy oh these days basically nowhere (laughs) (laughs) i uh i don't really do social media anymore i'm i've wound down my my newsletter I've wound down my Instagram like I've decided I'm not going to post on there anymore. So you're going to find me right here, basically. <laughs> right on. Well, if I mean, if people want to on Instagram, I just don't post there. Right. I, I I just wanted to give that asterisk. Like if people if you really like what Eric is uh, setting down here and you want to you want to reach out to him, you could definitely find him on Instagram. It's just simply yeah. outlet press one word, right? Yep, it's Outlet Press at Instagram on Instagram. I still have no gods but my own up on Substack. I haven't posted on there in a while. I'm going to start again soon. Kind of figuring out some stuff right now on that. And I'm on right We on. the Hollowed. I'm always on We the Hollowed. Uh, um, the art collective I got with uh, Keats Ross. Um, just recently we, we worked together with the uh, uh, Lux Estrada of uh, the Green Mushroom Project and uh, put out a a mixtape with them. Uh, Keats did a bunch of work with like the, the 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 track order and did a couple of tracks, and I did the cover and a track on the album. Keep that in mind for any listeners out there, um, and don't forget, Eric did the cover of my book Hunt Manual. Um, 21st mm-hmm. century demonology and Fortiana. This dude's a freaking champ. He's uh he is he's a jack of all artistic trades. And uh yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. Um don't forget folks. Oh, always happy to be here. <laughs> and, uh, we will definitely get you back on again soon. Like I said, you're a freaking honorary cast member around here. So uh <laughs> don't forget folks, you've been listening to Black Hoodie Alchemy. You're on the fringe FM. I am Anthony Tyler. We've been sitting here with uh, Eric Millar of Outlet Press, most recently of his work with Wombat. Uh, go check that out, and uh, smoke weed and God bless. Take it easy.